Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. This is a CBC Podcast. A leather shoe, a folded overcoat, a knife with the initials WH, a skeleton wrapped in a shroud, These remains of a sailor, now known as W.H., were buried on the southern coast of Labrador in the 1800s. They were discovered in 1987, jutting out of a sandy embankment, about to be swallowed by the North Atlantic. The questions of who W.H. was, where he came from, and what happened to him on this coast 200 years ago are a mystery, one that scientists, historians, and an artist are trying to unravel, to uncover what they can, and, in the case of the artist, imagine what they can't. I'm Aliza Siegel, and this is Storylines. Each week we take you to a different corner of Canada. Today we begin in Newfoundland and Labrador, where WH has captured the imagination and attention of many, because W.H.'s remains may be more than a surprising archaeological find. They may point to an untold story. Here's my documentary, The Excavation of W.H. I don't know your rightful name, and I don't know from whence you came. All I know is it's a shame that there is no one to claim your remains. The story of W.H. simply captured my imagination, and I couldn't th- stop thinking about him. I'm Bushra Janaid, and I'm an artist and curator. So I'm the author and illustrator of The Possible Lives of W.H. Sailor. I use this actual historical figure whose remains are all that we have, and they allow us to imagine the possible lives that he may have lived. I think for me, writing the book, the narrative poem, and contemplating his history and who he might have been is a way of honoring him. What truths would you utter from your mouth if you could tell us your story, something of your history? W.H. had been buried in a sandbank in Lancelot and was literally being washed out to sea or about to be washed out to sea. And a concerned citizen asked if we could come down and do something with this. My name is Catherine Mathias. I am a conservator, also a geologist, and I do freelance art history work. This end of a coffin was exposed. It was wrapped up in a shroud. The jacket and pants were laid on top. The great coat or overcoat was at his feet. 
and his shoes were on either side of the head and a wooden box as a coffin. Other things found in the coffin included a loose key in the trouser pockets, a fur hat, a waistband, a knee-length stocking, and a 20-centimeter-long wooden marlin spike. That's a pointed tool that's used to join together strands of rope. When we removed the shroud, we found the human remains, a fairly well-preserved skeleton. At that point, that was turned over to the forensic anthropologist. Basically, I started from the skull and worked my way down. My name is Sonia Yerkich. I was the biological anthropologist specializing in human osteology at Memorial University. A human osteologist is somebody who studies human bones. The um, clothing were fairly high quality. And at that time, one would assume they would have been sold off to other mates on the ship, possibly the money going towards family members. But that wasn't done. It could be an act of high respect if the person didn't have any family members, or it could be a disease-related issue. He may have contracted a contagious disease, and the rest of the crew, rather than wanting to take on his gear, would have buried it with him so that the disease would not have been passed on to them. Again, I had no corroborating evidence on the skeleton. Your kinky hair and strong teeth, your knife, the shoes on your feet, the clothes that you wore, all are clues to who you were and the customs to which you bore witness. Can your bones tell us more? The whole portion of the skull that covers the brain was complete. The individual had a complete set of adult teeth. And from other portions of the skeleton, we came up with an age of approximately 22 years at time of death. Laid to rest on the Strait of Belle Isle, you were young and short in stature, missing your forearm for that matter. Was this the factor that led to your demise? What was most intriguing to me is the fact that when I looked at characteristics to determine racial background of this individual, they were very attributable to somebody of African background. We were able to get confirmation on that from the fact that there was preservation of a small area of the scalp with hair still attached to it at the back of the skull. So we had double confirmation of ancestry and one that I was not expecting to find in this grave. In all of my years in Newfoundland and in all of the material I looked at, this was the only instance where I saw the remains of somebody of African ancestry. Some may say I've got no skin in the game, yet if it's really all the same, this child of the diaspora would like to claim you as kin. I claim WH's kin because Newfoundland and Labradorians are really incredible, close-knit, familial 
They know their history. They know what they've endured. If you travel across the island, you see plaques, memorials to the history of the place. But there's no commemoration of its, of its Black history. I grew up in Newfoundland and Labrador. I was a school child. I was always the only Black child in my class. There were very few children of color, period. My entire education, I didn't learn anything about the province's connections to my own history as a Black person, as an African-Caribbean-descended person. And so for me, this was like tangible evidence of those real connections and those connections that dated back hundreds of years. So for me... It was important to claim WH to somebody whose life mattered, who spent time, no matter how briefly it was, in Newfoundland and Labrador, and who represents the Black history of the place, the Black experience, the Black life on the North Atlantic. And those of us from the diaspora whose histories have been erased This is a reclaiming. We matter. We belong here. We have a right to be here. We have been here. We have contributed and continue to contribute to this place. What was the land of your birth? Do you remember the color and smell of its earth? Were you born on West African soil? Captured as a child and sold into slavery's toil, forcibly transported to the new world in the hold of a slave ship? Or were you born on a plantation in the Caribbean or the American South? Did you cut sugarcane, pick cotton, plant rice through heavy rains, heat, and drought? Or did you hail from much closer, perhaps the son of Nova Scotia, whose parents fought for England in the American Revolutionary War? promised land on its distant rocky shores, only to be given plots that were lifeless and poor. I didn't know about the role that African-descended people played in in the age of sail, the different roles that they played, what they carried with them. And so his remains invite us to learn more about that. We need to take a quick break. Storylines will be right back. From CBC Podcasts and The Fifth Estate, Brainwashed is a multi-part investigation into the CIA's experiments in mind control. From the Cold War and MKUltra to the so-called War on Terror, we learn about a psychiatrist who used his patients as human guinea pigs and what happens when the military and medicine collide. Listen to Brainwashed on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Neil Kennedy. I'm a professor of Atlantic history at Memorial University of Newfoundland and Labrador. To my mind, the, the significance of the WH burial is that it is a reminder of the, the presence of people of color in this place, of how commonplace the presence of people of color were in that maritime world. These are reminders of these intertwined histories, that these are not separate histories. They are part and parcel of the, the maritime and, and uh, settled cultures of, of these places. And they ought not to be seen, I think, as, as uh, curiosities, as, as marginal or separate histories. They are part of our history and, and uh, deeply so. 
In the early 19th century, around 1815, uh, one in five of all the sailors on American sailing ships were African-American men, West Indian men. My name is Jeff Bolster, and I'm a historian. Retired from the University of New Hampshire. I'm also a, a seaman of many years on the North Atlantic, and uh, I have some expertise on African-American seafaring. By around 1815, uh, one in five of every sailor, and we're talking tens of thousands of men here, on American ships was a man of color. Most of them were free, or many of them were men on the lamb. They were legally enslaved, but they had taken off, and sometimes with a wink and a nod of a captain who was short on labor and was happy to take a man, especially a man who seemed to have some, some boat savvy, even if he was legally enslaved. These are people who have very, very limited options, and seafaring was one way that men of color could sometimes take some charge over their lives. For the white population, sailing was a marginal occupation, for, for, but for people of color, it was very often a route to freedom, a route to opportunity, a route to masculine expressions of, of self-worth and routes to communication in the Black Atlantic that were extremely important as well. Most of the black men were uh, cooks, stewards, ordinary seamen, able-bodied seamen. It was rare in that era for a black man to rise to an officer's uh, berth. Aboard ship, a man's position had a lot to do with how he was regarded. Ships could be extraordinarily racist places, and there were many black men uh, at sea who were subject to horrible invective and insults and, and beatings by white shipmates. But there are many other instances where black and white shipmates worked together, sailed together, fraternized together, balked their officers together. And so the best way to put it is that the ship was a workplace in that incredibly racist and slave-driven era. The ship was a workplace where black men sometimes found more freedom or a partial freedom than they would have in a cotton field or tobacco field or working, chopping wood for a, for a white person. Did the ship's captain take a shine to you, let you hang out with the officers as they dined too? Did you have special status with the crew? Did they discriminate or did they give you your due? Were you a free man or enslaved as you traversed the ocean waves? At that time period and before, if seamen died aboard ship, they were more often than not interred in the sea. Their bodies were wrapped in a shroud and then slid overboard. But the fact that in this case, they took the time to build a coffin, to bring the individual on land, to dig a grave, and to inter him in that way. All of this took time and an effort. And that in and of itself makes him special, makes him different was he a very good comrade? Was he a servant? Was he an active member of the crew? Something was there that made him different. What was that? It makes this special for the simple reason that human remains aren't always well represented. And the very fact that one example can be found and give you a little bit of an insight into the life and times of one individual is a little bit of a miracle. I think his story is really 
important because it sheds light on the contributions, the lives of African descended people of that era whose stories have not been told, whose contributions have not been shared. What he tells us about history, but what he also suggests to us about the now and the future. Also wanting to encourage people to look at archives and wonder what's missing and to read between the lines of the sort of established histories that we've all been told or or thought we knew. History is more complicated than we think we know. I wrote a book about African-American seamen, but every place I went for years researching that book, well-meaning archivists and librarians would tell me that I wasn't going to find much. They were just convinced, black and white people, male and female, old and young, that I was going down a dead end. There just weren't going to be black sailors. In other words, modern racial conventions had played with them, and they misinterpreted the past, even as archivists and librarians, in light of that. It turns out that black seamen were extraordinarily common. More than that, there were so many pictures, images, photographs, line art of black sailors that I found in the U.S., in the Caribbean, in Europe, that they'd been hiding in plain sight. Our assumptions, and especially our assumptions about the past, are often wrong. Any new investigations that are done, uh, if it's possible to extract DNA from the teeth or from the bone, the cortical bone, they may be able to get corroborative genetic evidence for sex, for ancestry, racial ancestry, and be able to pinpoint it more accurately. Where did this individual come from? I'm about to analyze threads from the clothing of WH. My name is Jennifer Poulin, and I'm a senior conservation scientist at CCI, the Canadian Conservation Institute. I'm going to look at his clothing and the threads and the fibers and try to investigate and find some tiny details about them and maybe what dyes they were using, what, what mordants they were using, what was he spilling on himself. We've got the fibers, we've got how the threads were made, we have specialists that are looking at how the clothing was made, how the pattern was cut, and hopefully using all that information together, we can find out where he was from. We need to bring him back. We need to give him his people again or make his life better in some way. It's a very delicate situation. This was a person. This is somebody's child. This is somebody's brother. And he met a tragic end early. If we can do something with science to bring him back to personhood, to make him a real live person again, on the page and on the screen, then he isn't forgotten at all. He's somebody that we remember. It's important for Canada as a nation. It's important for our children to know. 
Did you carry ideas of democracy and freedom, ideas shared with your plantation-bound black brothers and sisters when you encountered them? Did you father children, a son, a daughter? I'm going to put the extracts, so tiny little amounts of them, and I'm going to put it through my instrument and I'm going to see what the black and blue and possibly yellow dyes were. I can't wait to identify these colors and hopefully we can find out where he was from. I would love to see us find out more about who W.H. was. Where did he come from? Who were his people? Who his living descendants are? And once we know that, to come together to determine what should happen with those remains. I would love to see him receive a dignified burial and some kind of marker near where he was found that represents the role that he plays as an African figure found in this part of the world. I imagine community coming together and enacting some rituals on the Labrador coast to see him home again. I don't know from whence you came, and I don't know your rightful name, but you remain. Respect is due. It's time that you were laid to rest anew. That documentary, The Excavation of W.H., was reported and produced by me, Aliza Siegel. It was story edited by Liz Hoth and Julia Poggle. Special thanks to The Rooms in St. John's, Newfoundland. Bushra Janaid's book of verse, The Possible Lives of W.H. Sailor, is published by Running the Goat Books and Broadsides in Torres Cove, Newfoundland. Bushra Janaid has also written an essay to accompany this documentary. You can find it at cbc.ca forward slash radio, where you'll also see Bushra's illustrations from her book. That's all for Storylines this week. The show is produced by A.C. Rowe and is part of the CBC Audio Doc Unit. If you enjoyed today's show, and care about Canadian documentaries, the best way to show it is to give us a five-star review. And do share the podcast with a friend. I'm Aliza Siegel. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.